Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have the queen of article sound system, Logan. Um, yeah, this was one of my favorite combos I've had in a while. She's a hip, a hip cat, as they say. She's got great taste in music. She's very funny. Um, just fun to talk to. Um, but like myself, total music nerd. Some weird synchronicity. She brought up Desmond Decker, dude. If you bring up Desmond Decker with me, you're immediately in the Cool Kids Club, and I want you to have a motorcycle and ride it with me. And Logan is now in that club because she likes Desmond Decker. And among other reasons, because she's just pretty cool in general. But the Desmond Decker thing um, made me an even bigger fan than I already was. This podcast and all episodes of the Satsung Podcast are brought to you by Onnit. Head to onnit.com, use code Satsung at checkout. You're going to get a little discount. Now, we as Americans tend to over-caffeinate. I'm guilty of doing the same thing, but what has helped me with not over-caffeinating is Alpha Brain Black Label. You got all sorts of third-party tested ingredients that help with brain function, word recall, just pretty much anything that you could want to enhance cognitively. It's in there, and in a super high dose. And they also sprinkled in a little bit of caffeine. Just a little, just a little bit. Uh, you know, to keep the old peepers open while your cognitive function is enhanced. So... If you haven't tried it, you should try it. Head to onnit.com, use code SATSUNG, try the new Alpha Brain Black Label, and then come back and try to call me a liar. But I bet you don't. I bet you feel like Superman when you're on that shit. Without further ado, Logan Rex. Logan Rex, welcome to the SATSUNG podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I've, I've heard about you for some time. Well... Before I hit record, you asked me how was Las Vegas, and um, yeah. you know, so I never party. I'm like a robot. Like even on the road, is like I'm up first, workout, and um, and then when I'm home, I'm a stay-at-home dad. So same thing. I have like this very strict routine, and um, yeah, one night of staying up all night, and I'm like three days removed from it, and I still can't shake it. So. A good reminder that I'm an old man, and I'm not a <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, not a young buck who can who can get wild until seven in the morning. Nope, it's not me. We gave it a we gave it one last try, and uh, apparently it, it it's not for me. Um, but it's fun. Have you ever been to Vegas? I have. Like I, I've never really like done Vegas. You know, we've played there twice. I like have like stopped over once. I'm also not like, you know, I, I drink and I eat mushrooms and everything, but I'm not like a, a big partier. So Vegas has never really called to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do kind of romanticize. I loved that you were doing like the Hunter S. Thompson thing. That was like one of my favorite authors growing up. And I always dreamed of like going to the old strip and like going to circus circus and having a time. But uh, I just get, honestly, I just get kind of bummed out every time I'm there. So thank you. Yeah. So I had this whole thing in my head. I spent $96 on Amazon and got a very proper Hunter S Thompson outfit. Mm-hmm. And our, our hotel was across the street from circus circus. Okay. So you were on the old strip. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause Hunter S Thompson is my favorite author of all time. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And yeah, um, I found most of the time I was just kind of like, Ugh. 
you know, like it's just very much um, an alcohol fueled consumerist. Like people are just coming there to have their money taken from them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like it's like a, a weird like I feel like it's where dreams are going to die. It's like escapism and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean I've had a good time there at our shows because it seems like the people are like down to party and that's cool. But I always want to just like get out as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but what was funny was like so I had to play the next day, and I was not feeling great. Um, but it's one of my favorite solo sets that I've ever done. I think I was just like extra vulnerable because I felt so shitty. I, like, okay, I, that's nice. I, yeah, I like teared up a couple times during some songs and like, you know, like just went all the way in. I'm sure uh, the fans love. And so you were there for the Aubrey Marcus, like, I, I don't know a ton about it, but I, I was listening to his podcast a bunch and it was called Arcadia, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's that. I mean, that event has to be very cool yeah so Aubrey's a really good friend of mine and um he has this group called fit for service and they they do these events every once in a while but this was his first go at doing a festival and the original plan was that it was supposed to be in the small town of Alpine Wyoming okay so me and my buddy Brady were gonna ride motorcycles there it was gonna be like a whole different kind of vibe and um when Aubrey released the art for the festival, it was like this crazy boom box with like a pair of boobs on it. And um, okay. the, the town of Alpine, Wyoming uh, saw the artwork and they pulled the permit for the festival. No, okay. I, I saw that it, like the venue had changed and I was like, wow, like uh, Vegas is a drastically different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that it would, yeah, it would have been a completely different vibe had the plan stayed the original plan. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty cool that he was able to pivot like that. You know, he's friends with so many people. Like if a guy was to have his his permit pulled, it's good that it happened to Aubrey because he's just the type of dude that can make a few phone calls and be like, cool, we got a new spot. Yeah, um, that's that's cool. Although Alpine is like really beautiful. So if you do get another excuse to go, you, if you have yeah, been. Well, and it's not far from me. You know, I live um, in the Southwest chunk of, uh, of the Beartooth Mountains. So I'm like, that motorcycle ride would have been over the tallest mountain pass in the state and then through West Yellowstone, like the most iconic motorcycle ride that one could do. And, but here we are, I went to Vegas and got punched in the face by life. So, but yeah, I survived. Well, that's good every now and then. That's a good thing to have happen every now and then. Yeah, and a good reminder of like, you know, what I'm into and not into and definitely not yeah. into that, um, back to the path. But so, um, I've been hip to your band for a while now. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I've just seen you guys, you guys pop up, especially in the last year, have seen you guys grow exponentially, um, which I know is obviously super fun for you. And, and Very exciting. For everyone in your crew. Yeah. Um, and I just know a lot of the, the people in your circle. You know, I used to work with Ryan. Um, okay. And Ryan's your agent, right? Yeah, Ryan's yep. our agent. Ryan used to be my agent, um, but yeah, I really dig your band, and I and I've heard um, I'd heard a bunch of stuff, but the pop up Sugar Shack that you guys just did was so dope. Like for some reason, I think seeing it like stripped down, it like it hit harder. I was like, dude, these guys are bad as fuck. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm very lucky. I got a great band. Like the guys uh, are just like the sweetest. Um, 
I, I couldn't have landed in like a better situation with them. They're like the kindest dudes. They're like my best friends. And then they're very talented musicians. So I feel like I, I really lucked out. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. I, I know how that goes too. Like, yeah, as a songwriter, same thing. My, the dudes in my band sometimes like when we get, cause we're all scattered across the U S okay. you know, so we'll get a rehearse one day before a tour. And every time we get together to rehearse, I'm just like, fuck, you guys are so good at this. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like super fluid. Um, what is it like being uh, a female in an all dude band? You know, I like, I think about it a lot. Like I really could have like, again, like getting back to like being in the perfect situation. Like we really are just like such dorks, all five of us. And um, like, we're, we're so tame. And, you know, two of the guys are married. They're like so wonderful to their wives. Like everyone's really well behaved, really respectful of women. You know, now at this point in our relationship, they just like, they're like, it's like having four brothers. Yep. You know, of course it's, it, it's definitely smelly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I luckily also have like a really crass sense of humor. So I don't feel like offended by much. And they're also just like such sweethearts. I, I definitely, when we're out on the road, you know, everyone I've encountered for the most part has been really awesome and, you know, respectful, but there's definitely situations I look at and I'm like, if that had been my band, I might not want to do this so much, you know? So yeah. it's, it's good to be in a situation where, uh, yeah, nobody's too much of a rock star. And yeah. Yeah. And you guys are on a crazy tour right now too. I was texting with Jono when I was on my way to Vegas. Um, who's working with Tribal Seeds right now, but he's our front of house. And I think you're the, are you the only female on that entire tour? Uh, like band wise, yeah. And, and we just actually got home like two days ago. So if my skin is like broken out and I look like all, uh, like I haven't slept in a month, it's because that is the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were, there were a couple of girls there in the crew. Like, in fact, we had like a, this 21 year old girl, Alex, like mixing us front of house and she was killing it. And um, there were like, I think like three other women on the tour and they were all awesome, you know, and there's like a, a look you give each other, like, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, that's, it's a lot of dudes, mm -hmm. it's a lot of dudes. And I, I like, I've grown up, growing up, I didn't have a ton of women friends. Um, and I still just have like a small handful of like really special ones in my life but I noticed like the more time I spend on the road when I get home I am like starving for like feminine energy I'm not like the most feminine person myself you know I'm kind of a tomboy but when I get home I, I'm like you know what I want to do like lady stuff I want to <laughs> I gotta balance this out a little bit because it is it is a lot to be on the road with that all the time and I think it's it's been good for me to like balance my own sort of like masculine and feminine um it's made me appreciate being a woman a lot more and like recognize uh, like the value of like feminine energy, you know, and like being the yin in that very young situation. Yeah, it's, it's a trip. You know, I've tried like this last fall, we did a, the, just a stupid long tour because it was like two COVID tours smushed together. Yeah. And my wife came out for a week um, when we were in California and I was kind of worried, like, oh, man, I mean, 
we've all been in the van for five weeks. So like the crassness is at its peak, you know, like yeah. we're, we have zero fucks left. Like we're just yeah. in this dark humor bubble. And um, yeah, to what you're saying, it was actually so refreshing to have a woman around. And like, obviously she's my wife. So probably my favorite woman around, but it's like, yeah, there was just all of the guys were like, man, that was actually kind of a breath of fresh air to, you know, have to behave a little bit and just like yeah. have have a woman around to like to balance that vibe out and that's yeah it's crucial yeah the the Jono and the guys from tribal were all saying they had a merch girl with them who also ended up being like their drum tech and she was just like so hard working so sweet she's like a mother of two and she just was such a lovely creature and they were saying they really appreciated having her on the bus with them because they felt like they kind of like maintained themselves a little bit better and like held themselves to a slightly different standard than they would have if it had just been all men yeah so, yeah yeah well you know you know how it is just on tour you start to get like um I just had um the woman from one of the founders of Backline are you familiar with Backline yeah 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 so a I guess I always saw because I'm sure you've seen the stickers in the green rooms and stuff so my thought was like oh yeah this is this company that uh, connects touring musicians with therapists, but it is so much more than that. It's just crazy, crazy full spectrum thing. Um, but she was pretty fit to start it because she was in a relationship with someone that was touring for five years. So they work with like partners of touring musicians, crew, managers, agents, like breathwork apps, like all across the board. And yeah, it's just such a trip. I've just been seeing how heavy you guys have been touring um and I know you know like we went from from touring and really playing for no one but just touring to pretty much look busy you know so so we were working you know and yeah in this one year we got a whole year of Michael Franti dates and then Trevor Hall offered us these other three tours which were directly in between the Michael Franti so we would literally leave a month on tour with Franti and go straight to a Trevor Hall tour and then straight back and straight back, you know, um, and as I'm sure you can relate to, there's this like, um, I think the reason it gets to that crassness is you kind of lose all of your, uh, like what it means to be a normal person. Cause you're just yeah. this like, I think there's this view of like, you know, all of your friends are like, Oh my God, you guys are killing it. You're just like living the dream. And you're like, well, actually I don't really sleep. I spend most of my time in transit. I'm a visit yeah. like for me the weirdest thing is you're just like an alien everywhere you go you don't know where anything is you're just like you know yeah it's like being like a pirate you know like <laughs> I always joke it's like being part of the circus like you're with these other people too who are I mean it's a really beautiful thing that you're like you're in a caravan of people who like dream of some who like are pursuing their dreams you know and are like looking for an alternate lifestyle I feel there are times where I, I would say the majority of the time I feel more accepted and more like purpose and at home on the road than I have any other time in my life. But then, yeah, there's like this untetheredness that comes like, it's, it's really like, it sounds like you're good at keeping a routine. I have a, a, a hard time keeping a routine. You know, the way I take care of myself at home is so different than the way I'm able to on the road. And, um, and, and honestly, I like when I'm home, I, I just love to be alone a lot. And the, that, is tougher I like I started when I'm when I'm really on it I do like these um 
these grounding meditations I like just try and like imagine myself like rooting into the earth because you know just in a car all the time and um yeah it's uh, you know and you're not in places that you wouldn't like I'm not somebody who goes out I'm not normally somebody who would be in a bar or a venue Same. unless I'm playing there yeah so it is um I really it's easy for me to get knocked off center with all of that stuff and uh yeah and I do notice I like become a different person I think I become like a little more cynical out on the road and stuff and then I get home and I'm like no like you know I have to remember all the things that I am and mm -hmm. you know get back to my gratitude and all that but it is it's and, and I wonder if it's like as you um work your way up the ladder you know like going out on tour with Dirty Heads this time and seeing you know Jared's sober their singer is sober he's doing he's working out all the time the catering everywhere we went you know we've never had catering we eat like a bunch of gas station snacks totally. and uh the catering was healthy and he's doing the ice baths and I'm like watching him do the breath work. And I'm like, okay, I wonder if as you grow, like you have the luxury of like more free time and like a little more autonomy over, you know, your touring life. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, Francie was, was such a crazy example of that. And like, you know, how him and I really became so tight was because we would work out together twice a day before and after the show. And you know, and now pretty much everyone in our band exercises, but me and Jono are nuts, you know, like on the days I don't feel like it or he doesn't feel like it, the other one's like, motherfucker, if you're like, not at the go. gym in five minutes. <laughs> so, you know, Jono and I fucking get it. And, and I think there's a thing to, um, you know, our whole thing's about to change because we're about to get a bus and that changes the whole dynamic of the whole thing because we'll travel overnight. Hey, good for you, man. That's, a, that's massive. That's a big deal. Well, what I'm excited about is I do all of the driving, you know, all of it. And um, so it's the, the routine is like, okay, we get to the hotel at two and we have to leave at eight. Then it's like, then me and John are going to be up at 630 so we can train before we get in the van. So it's like, it's kind of a funny dynamic of this, like, um, for me, the, the working out thing is like, obviously I have to stay in shape when I'm home, you know, I'm fighting dudes and shit. So it's like, I have to, I have to maintain this level of fitness, yeah. but really it's this, like, if I can work out before I even get in the van, I've already kind of won the day. And, and I've saw, I see that with Franti too, is like, you know, if he can get a yoga practice in and run some stairs, then he's like, okay, well, I've already done something for myself today. So now I can serve at a higher capacity, but to what you're saying, like pretty much everyone I know is like, yeah, once you start traveling overnight and your day isn't the transit, it seems like, you know, that's the thing I'm most excited about is waking up at 9 a.m. and being like, oh, I'm already where I'm supposed to be. And now I have the whole day. I, I'm sorry, but I cannot believe that you're doing all the driving. That so, <laughs> blows my mind. Like, so I just got to back up to that. So yeah. the, the thought process behind it is, is that it's just always been my shit, you know, like, so I own everything. I own all the music. I own the van. I own 80% of the gear. I own the trailer. So the thought is always, I've let Jono drive a couple times. No, once. I let Jono drive once. Because my thought is, is like, okay, say you pop a curb and fuck up the axle on the trailer. That's an awkward conversation, you know, of just like, okay, man, well, how are we going to... I didn't break the axle, you did, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so it's like, if I did it, it's my trailer, and it's like, yeah, well, I got to fix that, and 
Um, so I, for me, it's more of a, you know, I don't know, the general consensus of my band and crew is like, they're all like, what the fuck are you gonna do with yourself? You know, when, when you don't have all of these things to do. So oh, that's gonna be wild for you. That's gonna be, this is, this is awesome to be catching you right before you're, you're gonna experience. That's gonna be amazing. Congratulations. Thanks, yeah, it's gonna be a triple. What's crazy too is the, um, so I got a bus quote like spring of last year and it was going to be like 56 grand. I was like, okay, cool. Looking at the budget, we can do that. And then we look back and now it's like almost 70 grand. So we're just getting like the big bandwagon. And then my tour manager's dad worked for DHL forever. And he's like, I'll be the driver. Let's fucking do it. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, no, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, it will be what it is. You guys travel in a camper, right? Yeah, so we had like, uh, we, you know, we've always done the van and then our van, we like, the transmission went out or we, we had to replace the motor. And then it was like three days before we were leaving on this tour and we just, you know, they were still replacing the engine. And um, so we, we started looking into what our options were. We looked in the bandwagon, it's like a fortune um we looked in all these things and then fabian our bass player actually came to us and he was like guys cruise america is like our cheapest option so we felt like such dorks you're out on the road with collie buds and he's like in his like cool bus and we're pulling up like uh what's the family from the griswolds the, the griswolds yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like the griswolds everywhere we go it even had like the the on the door there was like a sticker of like a golden retriever like looking out the window <laughs> it just like couldn't have been cornier but we were like wow this is actually so much comfier and we came home feeling less tired so on this last run we like rented privately from somebody and that was really nice we're about to do like our first headlining tour this august and we're going in the van because like i mean who knows what attendance is going to be like since it's our first time going out. We just want to like play it as lean as we can financially. Um, but everyone's bitching about it. Everyone's like, no, don't put us back in the van, Fabian. Like, It's a super smart move, but I, th I think you're going to be really surprised. I think you're going to be absolutely shocked by the attendance at your shows. Man. Okay. I appreciate the vote of confidence. I've been like, I need to like start really pushing the shows today. Actually, now that we're home, I like need to like start doing that because um yeah I'm just you know it's like the unknown for us especially because it's the east coast like we've been sent out so many times to the west coast you know it's like mecca for our scene yeah and um and we haven't done east coast stuff in a while so I'm excited to see you know what these markets look like for us now having you know luckily we just came through some of them with dirty heads so I think that's definitely helpful but um you know it's just scary being a baby band and like going out and doing yeah it's this stuff. it's it's still scary for us you know like we've only done headline tours since like 2019 and like it's so up and down even for us now you know like we had fall tour and it fucking crushed you know and I was just like oh this is the size band that we are now and then we went out to the east coast this spring I mean, not terrible, but there was definitely a couple nights where they're like, oh yeah, there's 220 pre-sale. I'm like, what the fuck is, what? You know, like, and then- Okay, well, I would be really happy with 220 pre-sale, but I know you're a different size, yeah. Well, but but here's the <laughs> here's the thing with you guys though. So like the, 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 the downs, the biggest um, downside, and I'm sure there's an upside to it, us is like, we're kind of this weird genre-less band. So like, 
if you know say there's a hundred pre-sale for your show a hundred people are going to be like hey i'm going to this reggae show tonight you'll love them it's this female fronted reggae band they're badass that is enough for someone to be like oh i like reggae fuck it let's go yeah whereas for us when someone's like who are you going to see tonight they're like it's this like I don't know. It's like folk, but like sometimes reggae, but also kind of country too. And people are like, eh, yeah, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So like the amount of times that we've had, you know, like I, I will always tell a venue owner when we get there, they're like, yeah, we're at 385 pre-sale. I'm like, cool. I'll bet you we do 388 tickets. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, we're yeah, not they're a, coming because they know you. Yeah, we're not a walk-up band, which kind of feels cool, though, because even if there is 200 people there, it's like, no one's here on accident. You're here yeah. on purpose, which is cool. But I think you guys are going to fucking crush. I think you're, like, super primed. Thank you. I think you're absolutely going to crush. And the fact that you're that you're going into it lean is definitely the way. I hope so. We're, we've been doing the, like, meet and greets, too. Yes. And those have been like really helpful with everything. Like I, I, the fans are always like, oh, thanks so much for having us. And I'm like, no, you guys don't, like, I don't think people realize like how much that is like, like supports the tour. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I like almost cry every time <laughs> because it's just it's, like, so touching that anyone uh, gives enough of a shit to come spend their time with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think fans do get it because they're so grateful for the music. Yeah. I have the same thing all the time. This is the first time that we've ever actually done like a proper VIP thing. Cause okay. when I was on tour with Franti, my hustle was always like right after the show, I would stand outside and hand out CDs and you know, people would be like, how much? And I'd be like free or whatever the fuck you want to give me. Like, yeah. Just, just listen to the music, you know? And um, I've carried that to date after every show I go stand by the merch booth and I want to meet everybody um that's awesome and this is the this is the first tour where my manager was like yeah dude but you know we're going into this tour like 75 grand in debt so like maybe we ask people if they pay an extra 20 bucks to meet you like I don't know <laughs> you know yeah I feel like they pay more than that like we're, we're trying to come up with something different where I, I was I've suggested to the boys you know Chris is vegan our guitarist is vegan so we'd have to do vegan jerky for him but I was like if it's a meet and greet what if we do we eat jerky together yes. <laughs> and so we do like you know we like hang out for a minute we like play some acoustic songs and then we do like polaroids and sign whatever and, but I do want to add like kind of like a weird element that like breaks the ice immediately you know yes I don't know I'm, I love so that. this this tour that you're doing in the bus is a is a headlining tour. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it's super scary because we just went from like playing like three to four hundred cap rooms to like we sold a bunch of three to five hundred cap rooms out. And now we're going into the theaters, which are like that is a fuck ton more tickets that like some of the jumps that we're making is like, OK, well, we've sold 350 here before, but your next biggest room is an 850 person room. So like if only 400 people come, that's going to be weird. <laughs> you know, like. I don't know, it's such a big like some of them are very like, OK, you know, you're going from a, a 400 cap room to a 600 cap room. It's like, oh, OK, that's doable. But some of the yeah. jumps are like, you know, these promoters are like, well, our next room is fucking huge so I think that's exciting I think that you I think you'll be surprised I think it's gonna go very well for you I hope so isn't it so funny like from the outside I'm really good friends with Nathan from Ayaterra 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, him and I are like besties. And it, and it's so funny because his perspective of me is always like, oh, bro, you're fucking killing it. And I'm like, fuck me, dude, you're fucking killing it. You know, and, and I think the same thing. Like, I'm looking at your band and I'm like, oh, you guys are fucking primed. You guys are just like fully on the track. Um, but yeah, I'm sure for you, yeah, it's just funny. Like the, when you're the one, you're like super self-conscious and always kind of like, is this working? I don't know. Or is it working? Like, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing, especially like, you know, with social media, I know that you've been like, kind of like wrestling with that some, and, um, for the most part, I, I really like social media and like the interaction that we get to have with the fans through it, but it does like, obviously skew your perception of things. Like, it just looks like everyone else is killing it. And like, you're the only one sitting around, like counting your pennies and, and trying to make things work. So uh, I guess that's what's contributing to all of that perception. Yeah, yeah the, the social media thing is so, so weird, you know, like, I just don't um, I feel like most people that know me like me. So it's and I'm, I'm a pretty sensitive dude. Um, so like, you know, like, if one person is like talking shit to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, man, whatever. But like, dude, sometimes people just fucking lay into me and like, um, for nothing, really. And on the 4th of July, it just kind of like hit me like, man, I'm so sick of this and it doesn't make my life any better. And I don't like, that just doesn't feel good to me anymore. So I've just, I've just taken it off my phone and stuff like that. Like at night, I'll, I'll, um, I'll check DMs and stuff, but now, yeah, for posting, I just like send my manager a picture and what I want him to say. And I'm just like, you posted, I'm done reading comments and, um, yeah, you know, I know Aubrey has, has done similar things where it's just like, I just, I, it's just so weird to me. I guess I just can't really wrap my head around a personality type. That's like, if I see something that I don't like on social media, I have zero desire to, to comment on it or combat it. I just keep going. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Or like, I like unfollow or like, yes. you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing when people want to like be like the unhappiest or like the loudest voices, it seems like, and it's, it's tough not to like take, especially when like, when people are saying nice things, I like let it all in. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. oh man, like, no, you're being mean. I don't yeah, yeah. want it. Yeah. Yeah. And what's hard too is it's like, I, I have a really hard time not um, wanting to defend myself. But it's like when someone says something shitty to you, like, all they are the big, the greatest gift you could give them is responding to them. You know, no, but like, it's tough not to like stand up for it because then I'm like, well, like my inner child feels like it's, it hasn't been defended right now. Like I have to, you know, set a boundary. But then, yeah, it doesn't work the same on the internet as it is in real life. Yeah. No, and where I'm from and how I grew up is just like, dude, if you talk shit about someone, you had to see them about it, you know? And we've just like, I, I wrote in my journal a couple of weeks ago, I said, the, the world is, is run by people that have never eaten mushrooms or been punched in the face. And only people that have eaten mushrooms or been punched in the face know why that's a problem. And like, uh, yeah. I like just, that a lot. Yeah, I've just been like kind of leaning into that because there are characters like, um, you know, I'd say most of the politicians that we see, it's clear they've never had any sort of existential spiritual experience or, you know, like that was always my biggest issue with Donald Trump was I was just like, man, no one has ever just fucking cracked this dude and been like, yo, shut up, <laughs> shut the fuck up, dude, quit talking. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. And, I'm, and I, I feel like I'm in a better place uh, than I have been because I don't feel this responsibility like um you know I think my responsibility lies in like 
to create art and share it. So like, that's what I'm doing. And I'm working on so much stuff. Like we have this new album coming out, but I also am like working on a hip hop EP. I'm working on a bunch of weird shit with Nathan. I'm working on a bluegrass record. Like I'm trying to just like lean so hard into like, what the fuck is this dude about to do next? You know, just like keep them on their toes. Yeah. I feel like the, the more like screening and like the Spotify algorithm starts going, like the less there is even genre. And I really like that. Like, I'm really into country music, like, you know, not the bubblegum stuff that is kind of around now. And I don't mean to like cast the whole genre away like that. That's rude. But like, you know, I grew up on like a lot of Willie and Waylon. And I really want to make you. like a lot. I want to make like a country album. I'm trying to like trick the band into it. I got Chris on board and I'm like, hey, boys, what do we think of this? Like, if you could just give me kind of a walking bass line and some train drums, like, what would this feel like? And you're like, but, uh let's do a country song together shit that's my that's my wheelhouse there all right i'm into it i'm into it yeah i feel like i just want to and we're going on like our we're going on a rock tour in fall and i just want to like you know so we've made some stuff that's kind of like pixies inspired we tracked some stuff out in seattle and i tried to like lean into the like audio slave kind of like you know and i just want to play with especially early on in our careers like you know we only have so little music available online i don't want to get like, I don't want people to expect a certain thing out of us. So um, I respect what you're, what you're doing as far as like getting your fingers into everything. That's good. It can be tricky though. You know, like, I think the thing I love so much about your band is there is this obvious like reggae undertone. There's some other shit in there. Like I was listening, um, listening to that live thing that you guys just did at um, the theater in Delray. Okay. And yeah. I, can't, I can't put my finger on like on what it is, but it's not... It, there's reggae undertones, like the skank is there, the bass line's there, but I think your voice and the the way you sing, there's this weird kind of like 90s alternative sprinkle in there, but it has this kind of like flowy, it's so different. It's it's not like, it's kind of genreless in its own way, but you're just like, I think the, the thing that's rad about it is you're just reggae enough that it makes complete sense for you to play with a reggae band but you're also different enough that it would make sense for you to fucking really play with anybody, which is, I think, I'm strong. out that you even checked out the, the Crest Theater thing. That, and we did that during the pandemic, and I was like, nobody's going to watch this, but we put, like, a lot of effort into it, and um, so thank you for watching. Yeah, it. no, it's, it sounds Really, dope. really nice. Yeah, no, I, um, I think the thing, too, is, like, watching you on social media, like, there's very few people who, when I see a story pop up, I'm like, okay, let's see what they're up to. And for you, it's always like, oh, she's listening to records and I want to see what the fuck she's listening to. You got killer taste, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love, I, you know, I, when I was like 21, I moved to Brooklyn and I bought a record store from Denver. Like this guy, I was able to like buy the entire inventory of this record store, like dirt cheap because the guy like violated his probation and had to go to jail and like he had to just fire sale it. I moved all the records into my like New York apartment and I was selling them mostly online, but then people could make an appointment to come to my like loft apartment and like shop. And I would like make them treats and roll joints for them. And I met so many cool people and I learned, you know, I I grew up in a house full of music, my dad, you know, exposed me to a lot of cool stuff but then also doing that like cataloging all the music and like oh what's this like I feel like I really got to taste a lot of different stuff that I wouldn't have normally been exposed to through that so I'm really grateful for that opportunity 
when did you start like singing and writing songs and when did you know that that like could be a thing for you you know, I like sang in, in choir and church when I was little and, you know, I've, I've been playing guitar since I was in like seventh grade and, and like, you know, singing along with that. But I was really too shy to like even sing in front of my parents. And then in like middle school and high school, I was in this band called Eternal Boner, just like with my <laughs> with like my guy friends. And then we kind of like kicked that back up again like maybe like six years ago seven years ago and we were just playing bar gigs like we just wanted to play for a free bar tab and like party with our friends mm -hmm. and um and I hadn't really written anything like I've always liked to write poetry and stuff but it's like was never anything I would sh like share with anybody and then uh article like was already a band and they had like a series of like different like male like Caribbean singers and they, it just seemed like of all the bands in our scene, like down here in like our local scene, they were the only ones who would like go do like a, a run around the state. And I was like, wow, they're on tour right now. Like, that's so cool. And they started DMing me. We were neighbors. We like kind of knew each other through friends. And um, they kept asking me, they were like, oh, we hear you sing. Like, you should come track a song with us. And I was just like way too nervous. And I finally went over there one day and uh, we recorded Crave You, which is like on our Spotify. So it's cool because that's like the first, it's like a time capsule of like the first time we ever played together. And, um, and then Chris really, our guitarist really encouraged me. He said, I, I feel like we should try writing together. Like, I think that that would be cool. And so he was so supportive and the band was like really encouraging of that. I think otherwise, like, I don't know if on my own, I would have taken the reins like that or like felt confident enough to do it and Chris and I write really well together like I feel like you know the way it, it we started writing together a lot and then now I just know like if I have an idea for something and I get you know like I'm just the queen of like just a verse and a hook and then I can't push it past that like Chris is really good at like kind of steering me into like okay well we need to like finish the song or hey you're getting off topic or we're losing the like the midline here so um that all kind of started I guess like four years ago and I think that just being in this band has like I've I feel like it's corny to say but I've like watched myself grow so much and like blossom so much because of like the love and support that they have given me and like they've just really given me confidence they never even when I like want to write you know an angsty you know girl scorned woman album they're still with it you know and uh and it's nice that I don't have to like talk them into my ideas they're like all right let's go I think that's dope because like I I think that voice that you're singing from is like I guess you know like when we were at Cali Roots I was like man like 50 percent of the human beings here are female you know what I mean and I think yeah. like I think you're touching on something I'm not I'm not trying talk shit you know similar to the country thing I think there's so much of the genre that is um based around partying and weed and stuff where it's like uh, you know for me to hear like a breakup perspective of a from a female or like a you know like a love issue from a female perspective it's like how many girls are just like fuck thank you like thank you for for singing that like I <laughs> I, I need to hear a female singing that because I felt that before I think that is so needed especially in in the in the reggae scene of like yeah there's like there's a rawness um to your songs that that I think is is a huge breath of fresh air because it's like yeah dude we all like weed and sunshine and all of those things but like 
you know, the, the deepness and, and emotion that, that you're pulling from, I think is just such a breath of fresh air, um, especially for a female fronted band. It's like, there's a whole gaggle of heartbroken girls and, or even girls just having a hard time that I can't even imagine what it's like for them to, you know, to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, I like I really wrestled with it. Like our first EP, Chris, Chris was really like leading the charge. And he was like, let's pull from like universal themes, you know, like changes in your life and time and like passing all these things. And it was really good. But then as I was like starting to develop as a songwriter, you know, I, I was wrestling with the idea that like our scene is really built on like good vibes, you know, it's like a big thing. Yeah. And and I, I really love that. And I know that's like why a lot of people love the, the scene is because they feel so like lifted. And I was really nervous because it felt like this last album, Welcome to Florida, that we put out, like our first full length, we experimented with like some different sounds. And then like, you know, I wasn't feeling like super good vibes. I was feeling like heartbroken and it felt like opening my diary and being like, okay, like this might not be what you want to hear, but like, this is how I feel. And I wasn't really, I was really worried that people were not going to be into it. And like, even still like, you know, people will be like somebody like on the uh, live chat for Cali Roots was like, this girl has like the worst vibes. Like how could you let her, <laughs> how could you let her be a part of this day? Which I understand. I don't feel like that's true, but like, I understand where she was coming from. You know, the, the whole day is like, a little bit more positive and then now I've realized that like the best thing I can do is just be sincere which is sincerely how I felt you know when I wrote those songs and then I also realized that the positive in that is that like it's providing catharsis for me to move through it and then I like really connect with other people like in a way that I, I'm hoping they can like move through things they're like oh okay like somebody else is feeling this you know it's okay that like yeah, I love smoking weed and good vibes and like, you know, but it isn't all sunshine and butterflies. And I at least feel like understood. And like, also it's just a little cheeky. It's like a little like, you know, well, it's, think, it's a playful fuck you. Yeah, and but <laughs> yeah. I think there's a thing too, is like the thing that I always, you know, with our last two records is like, you know, when we dropped All Right Now, people were like, what in the fuck? You know, it was just like, there's pedal steel all over it. Like people I love were just it. like, I was what listening the fuck? This morning. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I knew putting it out that, that there was gonna be that response from some of our fans. We're just like, well, what the fuck is this? But I was like, whatever, man, I'm here for it. Cause this is where I'm at right now. And like, you know, for instance, like I Am, which is a song that completely changed my life. It's like, it's what got me this house with the stupid garage and, you know, yeah. and, and like, when I, when we were making the story of you in a bedroom with one microphone, that was the song I was like, yeah, I don't know, man, this is a bit of an overshare. Like, this is just kind of some shit I wrote. Cause I was really going through this struggle of like, I was working so hard to make music work and it just wasn't fucking working. You know, no one was coming to our shows. It just didn't feel like anybody gave a shit. And it was just kind of me settling into like, you can't make me quit. I don't give a fuck. I'll die out here. This is what I'm doing. And wrote this thing. And even after it got released, I was just like, oh, fuck, I wish I wouldn't have put that one out there, you know? And um, to date, it's like, doesn't matter where I play. The minute I start playing that opening riff, everyone's like, yes, thank you for playing. And I'm like, man, it's so it's like, for me, 
I always, the more vulnerable something feels to me, um, the, the more it lands. Cause it's not just like, oh, this is supposed to be a, like, fuck that guy. It's like, oh, this is supposed to be a positive day. It's like, yeah, dude, well, maybe I made this for someone to listen to in their car or to lay with fucking headphones on in their bed and just go through some shit. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, if you see us live, it's like, there's so many songs that we've turned into these just like monstrosity of live songs where on the, the record, it was very intentionally meant to just like listen to on a drive, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the core is like, I'm not, I'm trying to bypass people's heads and, and hit their heart. And like with that vulnerability, that's the ticket for me every time. Yeah. I've been trying to like find the, um, you know, as I, I know that, you know, like as you get like a label involved and your management involved as well intended as all these people are, it's really easy for it to kind of like uh, blow you off the path, you know? And so a couple months ago, and I'm still kind of on this journey, but I, I was really like, okay, I need to find like what my values are as an artist. Like, what is my mission? And I felt like silly for not even having like thought of that beforehand, you know? And not to say that I didn't have a mission, but I didn't just like, I didn't have it readily available if somebody had asked me the question. And so I've been like, I, I told the band, we really need to have that so that no matter what any input we're getting from someone else, we can kind of like check and say like, all right, does this match what we're trying to accomplish? And I think that's the thing is like with the social media, with the music, with the visual art, even the way we like release something, like we're trying to kind of switch that up right now because it seems like there's just kind of like a, a rigmarole that we all go through. like. I really just want to make sure like does it feel true like does this feel like sincere to me is it like authentic or is it something that like I'm trying to fit in this other mold and um I think the the closer I can get to that like my our own truth I think the I think that's what resonates with people you know at least like I think a true fan will like feel the like heart intent like you're talking about yeah 100% and that's how you get your identity you know as a as an artist is just like, you know, it's kind of this, the same thing. I'll send you a, a private link so you can hear the record we're releasing in, in September. Yeah. But like, so we had this, I just had the worst winter of my life. Like I just kept getting fucking terrible news. And then like, right when I would kind of get my feet under me on like the latest shitty thing, another thing would come and just hit me. And the last of it was like, I had been, litigating with my label for like six months about making another record and um we had the studio booked we were going to go to sonic ranch in texas which was oh. like the coolest fucking studio of all time the dream yeah i had the coolest fucking producer picked out just like full punk rock legend but he did he uh he did the first two albums with old crow um, we were going to have uh, one of the guitars from Blind Melon come in and just kind of hang out and throw input like this whole dream situation. But we didn't have anything in writing and we were like two months from going down there. So I kind of just like put my foot down, was like, hey, here's what I need. And I need it in writing by the end of the week or like fuck the whole thing. <laughs> and they hit me back. We're like, yeah, man, yeah, I guess fuck the whole thing then. So I was like, you- whoa, fuck. And so, yeah, I mean, everything was pretty much laid out and. But I had this other batch of songs that I had been like kind of quietly writing about all of the hard shit that I was going through that were just super raw overshares. And then on the drive to 
uh, to Texas to play these shows. Um, the dude, my band Parker that plays, you know, if you see us live, he plays banjo, pedal steel, guitar. He plays a bunch of harmonica. Whoa. Like he's, he's our Swiss army knife. And um, okay. he's like, you know, what if you and I went into Phil's cabin in the middle of the woods this winter and we just recorded that other batch of songs. And then I kind of was like, oh, is this going to be like my wildflowers? Where like there's no other input and I don't have to answer to anybody and there's no like I can just make these songs and it ended up being to me the most like magical cathartic process and it was really what pulled me out of the depression was getting to just record these songs and to have no fucking plan of just like I don't know what we're going to do with it I don't know how we're going to release it I don't know where the money's going to come from to put it out but like let's just make a record and and it felt so raw and so good and I just like what it what it really gave me is this trust of like everything everything when I think when you're moving through that like spirit I guess in that purpose it's like everything will lay out like we've never been put on a playlist before not a single Spotify playlist it's never happened the first single that we dropped got put on a on a playlist and oh like, yeah and we didn't you know we didn't we don't have a team together we don't have anyone helping us put this record out like we just uploaded the motherfucker and, and it got put on a playlist. So it's this like, I'm, I, yeah, I think as an artist, we just have to trust that, that like, if it feels good here, then that's it. Cause if it feels good here for you, the odds that it's going to feel good there for everyone else is, is high, you know? Yeah. That's incredible. That's so exciting that you like, I mean, that's got to feel like such a wink from the, the universe that like, Total. You, you, yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, that's and the I, new one you put out and it's you and your wife as the, yes. okay, okay. Yep. And, um, but I think, yeah, I can relate so much to what you were saying. It's like one, so many people get involved. And, you know, one thing that I struggle with all the time is like, sometimes I want to say no to stuff, but it's like, yeah, dude, but there's like 12 people that would get paid if I said yes. So then you're kind of like, okay, so am I a autonomous sentient being or am I you know, a servant to all of these, these things, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that the phase that we're in too, there's this like, well, I can't say no to a good opportunity, you know? That's yeah. And, and like, it's like, oh, well, like maybe these people know better than I do. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I burned myself out. You know, we got signed um, to Madison house when Madison house was like the, the shit, you know? So like, this woman was was Franti and Nako's manager, and she was Whoa. like, I want to be your agent. And this was in, you know, 2017. So it was just like, wow, okay, this is the answer to everything for us. And I got guilted into to doing a lot of shit. You know, my wife was pregnant, and I was like, you know, I haven't really been home in a while, and I don't actually know if I want to do that tour. I kind of like, you know, haven't seen my kids in a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's your call, but I, I worked really hard to get you this opportunity. So, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, then I'll do it. I don't want to upset you. So yeah, I'll do it. And um, yeah, I guess I would say say to you, because like you're totally in the wheel right now is like, don't forget you're a human. Because I had like a full nervous breakdown and disappeared for six months and wasn't sure if I was going to come back. And okay. Like, you know, like I just kept saying yes to everything because it seemed like the right thing to do. And luckily there's, you know, A, it sounds like you're surrounded by really great people in your band. Um, but there's, uh, 
there's a burnout factor that no one really talks about. And, and what can happen in that burnout factor is you'll start, for me, I started to hate music. You know, I took, I called everyone, was like, I'm taking six months off. I don't want to talk about music. I don't want to talk about touring. I don't want to talk about a plan. I'm taking six months off and I have no idea what's going to happen after this. And um, I didn't play guitar for like four of those months. Like I would see my guitar and just be like, yeah. I don't, uh-uh. I don't want to do anything related to music. And, but then when we went back, it was the first time we'd ever sold tickets. You know, we were selling out these little 200 person rooms at everywhere we went. And it was just like, oh, okay. So the message is I'm going to do this my way and like only things that feel good. I'm not going to be pressured into doing anything anymore. And it's just such a, yeah, you know how it is. You're, you're just trying to climb this ladder and get to a, self, a self-sustaining course. Yeah. I mean, we just said no to the first tour. We've like the, it was the first time we've been offered a tour and we said no was like for, you know, we just kind of said, Hey, the last three months of the year, we've got like some like fly dates and like festival things that we're doing. But I just, I could like see already that like, you know, I've, I've had a real journey with my mental health and I, I know I'm sensitive and, and it is like, you know, I would say the, one of the things about being the only woman on a tour is that it, it feels isolating. There's like an extra element. I think of like feeling isolated. And I was like, I don't think that it's sustainable for me to like keep taking opportunities, you know, it, yeah. So hopefully I'm bypassing my six months uh, off the map. Yeah. Well, and I think too, that you'll find like, (laughs) there's always another opportunity. Like, it's like, there is no single opportunity that's going to like make or break anything, you know, like there's just no, the, the show that might completely fucking change your life, there might be 75 people there, but one of the people in that room happens to just be in a position to completely change your life, you know? So it's like the letting go of that, I think is so important of just like, no, I actually have to be a human being first. And if I'm not a healthy human being, then everything else is suffer. Yeah. I, I think as I'm like realizing, you know, I keep, I keep, I've kept thinking along the way, it's like, oh, if we like play this festival, like, then we're going to blow up. It's like, okay, well, we, we get a pop from that, but we don't, you know, it doesn't make the career. Like, and I know that it does happen for certain people that like one thing, just like, you know, now you're at like critical mass, but I'm realizing that like, okay, it's a slow build. And like, with that, I need to be able to like, take care of myself uh, or else I will really light up, let everyone down, you know? Yeah. And I think the other thing that I've been leaning into when we talk about those bands that like pop, you know, so like one that I've been using as an example that I, that is so funny is like, you've heard that band camp. Yeah. It's so fun. I I only heard of them today. I saw them on my friend, Andy Frasco's podcast and I was like, who's this, but okay. So I got hip to them a few years ago and really beautiful. Like their first rec, their new record is phenomenal too, but they're their first two records were this very just like, oh yeah, that is just a, a fucking banjo and a guitar and this guy with a really cool voice and um, very simple. But in like 2018, you know, they were selling maybe 200 tickets everywhere they went. And they had a, a couple songs during COVID pop. So they, they were to go do this tour where they were going to open for this bluegrass band trampled by turtles. Yeah. And 
um, I took my daughter, um, she loves camp and she also likes Trample by Turtles. So I took my daughter to Bozeman to go see them. And, you know, just through COVID because of these two songs that popped, these guys now have, you know, fucking 10 million monthly listeners or whatever, where previously, previously it made complete sense for them to be the opening band. But this tour was rescheduled from COVID. So they go out and the people all around us, like camp does their hour and then stops. And everyone was like, what the fuck is that? Like, why do they only play an hour? I'm like, oh, well, they're opening. And they're like, opening for who? You know, so, it's the, you know, like, so it's the, like, I think the the pop thing, the thing that I've been leaning into is like, it's a song. It's probably a song that's going to make you pop you know, not a, not a tour, not a festival. Cause I've done some huge fucking tours and like, I'm sure our tickets have gone up 20% in those markets or whatever, you know, and people still come up and we're like, yeah, I saw you with Franti in 2018 and we've been listening to you ever since, but it's like, there's a lot more people that come up that are like, I was listening to Pandora and this song came on and now I listen to you every day. It's the music. It's not the you know, the driving yourself crazy, chasing a dream around the country. It's usually a song, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Which is nice. That is awesome to hear that it's like the art leading the the thing. Because yeah. think about like, how many bands have you heard a song from that you were like, oh man, I like this band. And now they're in your regular rotation. As opposed to you see them play at a festival and you're like, holy fuck, you're my new favorite band. For me, it's like 10 to one. Yeah, no, I guess like I there's not even like a lot of bands I can think of where like the live performance has been what's won me over. No, yeah. it's it's the riding in your car, like we were saying. It's the riding in the car and listening to a record and being like, yep, totally. <laughs> I totally feel this. That's killer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then that makes me feel it does make me feel better about like turning some stuff down then. Yeah. yeah. And, and just like then when can you even write if you're on the road the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Then you start writing songs that no one can relate to because what I started writing about the road a lot. And then it kind of dawned on me like, okay, I'm writing this shit for me. And like, how many people can relate to fucking traveling around the country nonstop? Like not, not many. You yeah. Know? So it's like, where how many people can relate to the feeling of like, I'm home. I have my wife and my kids in the mountains and this, like this sense of wholeness, you know, everyone is searching for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to hear. Um, I'm excited to hear what you guys do because I think I, I think you're headed in such a cool direction. Like I said, I can't I can't put my finger on it, which I think is the dopest thing of like what it is that's so different and cool about you guys. But it's super unique, and it's it's going to be your greatest asset. Is this like this uniqueness to you guys and your voice and that so much emotion in the way that you sing and coolness to it. Dang, this is like it's very nice i don't even know what to say i really appreciate you have checked the music out it's when you dm'd me and you're like hey i watched your sugar shack i was like you guys (laughs) so thank you it means a lot to me yeah i was vibing out and to uh the fact that your top broke and you're just like well we're gonna fucking send it (laughs) yeah i'm like what i don't know what to do yeah i know i like bent over to pick my dog up and then yeah but we we made it work yeah, well, I'm super stoked for you guys. So I have a few questions that I always ask um, yeah. every artist. So my favorite one, uh, what's the first song that made you cry? Oh, um, this is embarrassing. 
but I the, the first one that comes to mind, so I'm going to go with it, is The Dance by Garth Brooks. God bless you. I, yeah, I think that's probably it. That or I'll Stand By You by The, the Pretenders. I used to cry about like to that, to that song all the time. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. It is a good one. Me and, me and my buddy Parker, he lives in Montana too. So at the end of every tour, him and I go home together. And that's like our rituals. We listen to Garth's whole catalog on the way home. Um, it's killer. It, phenomenal, phenomenal. He worked with some great songwriters and he sung them well. What are three records that were super important to you growing up? And then we'll get to modern stuff like what you're listening to now, but three records that you can be like, yeah, that changed, changed the way I heard music. Um, okay, well, probably the, the, the BBC sessions with Led Zeppelin. I remember hearing Black Dog for the first time, and I just was like, what is this? You know, that was like, and there's still to this day, like Led Zeppelin is one of my all-time favorite bands. So definitely that. Um, I'm trying to think. I had I had a, a CD. It's not a record, but it was like a CD that a friend gave me. It was burned, and it was just called Jamaican Mix One, and it was a bunch of like early Rocksteady and ska. There's like a lot of like Desmond Decker and like Roy, uh. and um, Desmond Decker still is like I would say like my favorite like reggae artist. Um, so oh I my think- god, dude! What? <laughs> I can't even believe you just said that. That is so fucking wild why hands down favorite reggae artist of all time my intro to reggae was all like prince buster and all that rock steady shit desmond decker that is that is how i got into reggae music i had the weird side route that was all the like rock steady rude boy shit and all my sister's friends in chicago were all like skins and rude boys and shit so that was yeah Crazy. That's cool. Yeah, of course, my dad played like a lot of Bob Marley, like on the boat and stuff growing up. But like the first music that like the first like Jamaican music that felt like it was like my music and not like my parents music was was that. Um, and then I'm trying to think there. Oh, and then probably just like any. Oh, God. Well, either any Patsy Cline or Julie London. Um, those two are like my like biggest like female inspirations, I would say. Like, you're a gangster dude oh <laughs> you're the coolest <laughs> That's then, the, well okay can i get your answers on those things too i mean i guess maybe they've heard sure. fans have heard sure so first song i ever cried to uh was the pretender by jackson brown i was so young i had no idea what the song was about but there was just something about that song still to this day it just wrecks me and uh, especially okay. now that i'm like a touring musician and i can like listen to it and be like you know, I think you spend a lot of the time on the road being like, man, what would it be like to just be a normal dude? That might be cool. Um, Definitely. <laughs> one, one of my favorite songwriters of all time, Jackson Brown, God bless him. Um, three records that changed my life. Uh, Illmatic by Nas, when I was just like a little knucklehead, weed selling skateboarder. Um, that was just my shit. Um, and then... We had, we grew up in the hood, and then when my parents split, my mom moved to this uh, to this duplex in a nicer side of town, and she got me a library card. And I went to the library, and I got so there's more than three of them, but I got "Shake Your Money Maker" by the Black Crows, 
American Beauty by the Grateful Dead and What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. I don't know why I picked those three. They just looked like things I should listen to. And it Eaters. was, yeah. And it was like yeah. three weeks of listening to those on repeat and being like, this is what I'm going to do. Some, some conglomeration of these three records is what I want to be. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty, I think you're doing a good job of that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying my day of this. What's, uh, what are three artists that you're super into right now? Um, I, I like really love Faye Webster. Never heard of her. Uh, I'll check her out. I think you'll really like her. She has like, uh, I was listening to like a podcast with her and she says like, she tries to track any song she's written within 48 hours of writing it so that she still feels like those, those emotions are still fresh. And I know that's something like I really struggle with. I'll write a song and then we won't even record it until like sometimes like a year or two later. And not that it, it just doesn't mean the same thing to me as it did when I wrote it. So she does that. There's a lot of pedal steel. Her pedal steel player's name is Pistol, which is so sick. Fuck yeah. And when they, they track everything live and she doesn't let the, the band hear the songs until they're recording. So like everything, it, it just has a great live feel. She has a, I, I love her songwriting. It's really cool. So um, I really like her right now. I'm trying to think who else I'm listening to a lot of. I've been listening to a ton of Catastro ever since Andy Chavez passed. I just, um, that last record they put out, Sucker. Like it just, it's nice. It's good to listen to. It makes me really feel something, especially now that he's, he's gone. I, uh, it just, it, it really moves me now, um, especially. So I've been listening to a lot of Catastro. And then I'm trying to think, what else is on my turntable right now? Oh, and the kinks. I've been going through like a big kinks phase again. You know, I, I just got Village Green Preservation Society on vinyl. And like, that's been kind of like living on the turntable. There's something about that whole genre of like Brit rock. T-Rex, super underrated yeah. band. Yes, T. Mark Boland, come on, like just yeah. great. Uh, yeah, there's something about that that like it speaks to a part of me where I'm like, you know what? I think I was alive for this at one point. I think I was like living this. If if only my fantasies, like I think I was around for some of that. The fashion, like all of it, just has a great mood to me. Yeah, that and then okay, I guess okay. One other one that I've been real into is um Erasmo Carlos like there's like all this like Brazilian uh psychedelic folk music so like Jorge Ben and Tim Maia like all these guys grew up in a favela together and we're in a band and we're like when they were like little kids and they um they were featured on like a late night show and they kind of got like all this early recognition and then they like splintered off and like started their own like individual careers and all of them like blew up but they had this kind of like brotherly like competition while they were doing it and i don't know the music is 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 really cool from that Ooh, i'll check that out i like yeah. to into deep cuts people are always yeah usually the answers to those are pretty predictable those are great okay thanks yeah uh are you hip to brent cobb no oh my goodness so i've Here been saying I've been saying to people when people are like, yeah, that's my go my favorite living songwriter and John Moreland, his album in the throes, like pulled me through this winter. I wouldn't have made it through this winter without that album. Okay. Um, but Brent Cobb, check him out. Just like everything that country music is supposed to be with like this 
beautiful handful of Southern rock, but just, he's the riff master and such a good okay. songwriter, but he's, uh, yeah, Brent Cobb is someone you should definitely check out just as a songwriter, right. I think it'd be, be inspiring. And we went and saw him and Robert Earl Keen. Robert Earl Keen. Yeah, so we all kind of went for Brent Cobb. Just, I was like, obviously Robert Earl Keen is Robert Earl Keen, but um, it was this really funny, funny thing because we went Brent Cobb killed it and then Robert Earl Keen came out and I just was having some things like I started crying he was playing what I really mean and I was like with the bros so I'm like <laughs> like doing this guy and then I like look to I look over to my right to like make sure no one's looking at me and Parker was next to me and he was crying too and we had this full like hand holding like yeah <laughs> yeah that is so sweet and tender I love that God bless yeah, him. I don't, do you know his Christmas song, Merry Christmas from the family? Yes. So the thing it, we went to was his, this thing called Road to Christmas. So he does obviously all of his big songs, but he's like throwing these funny Christmas travel songs in there, but he played that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a big tradition. It's like a big eye rolling tradition in my family that like my mom always wants us to have this like kind of like Andy Williams, Bing Crosby kind of like Christmas thing while we're decorating the tree. And my, my mom just pictures us being this like ideal family, but you know, like we have like all sorts of fucked up shit in your family. Like you have, and that we can really relate to that song, Merry Christmas from the family. And my dad like loves leaning into like the trashiness of our family so like when we're like decorating the tree it's like always a battle of like my mom will put on the andy williams like classic tunes and then my dad will go and like throw the robert Earl keen on so that, <laughs> that holds a special place in my heart yeah i love that well dude you're one of the coolest people i've ever talked to i'm so uh oh. i'm so stoked we got a chat and uh yeah i'm super excited to uh i'm sure we'll we'll hang in person one of these days i'm sure we'll be at the same festival at the same time I would hope so. It's it's great to uh, to meet you and, and to have it all recorded so that yeah. we can remember this moment. Thank you so much for having me. It's like, means a lot to me. It's very sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was so cool talking to you and um, yeah, I'll hit you. Uh, I'll hit you up before this, before we post it. And yeah, thanks for, for chatting with me and I'll talk to you soon and best of Thank luck you. to you. Thank you very much. And you too have fun on that headliner. I will. I'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all. That was Logan Rex of Article Sound System. You don't get any outro music today. I ain't moving it. I ain't clipping it. Tune in next week for an undisclosed guest. I don't know who. Maybe a football player. Maybe another musician. Maybe a fucking motorcycle racer. Maybe a solo podcast. I feel overdue for a solo podcast. Doing a lot of deep integration work recently. Perhaps we discuss and talk about it. I don't know. You'll have to tune in. Shout out again to my wonderful, gracious, and amazing sponsor, Onnit. Coolest fucking company in the world. Um, so honored to be a part of the Onnit Pro team. They take such good care of me, and they make the best fucking supplements on planet Earth. Drink water, take Onnit supplements, lift heavy shit, do hard things. And we will see you. We won't see you because it's a podcast, but we'll talk to you next week. God bless y'all. Be safe. And if you can't be safe, be extra dangerous. God bless.